Father, we just come to you in so many ways, O oh Lord. You are trying to awake us from our spiritual slumber, showing us in one day, in a few hours, a family can lose everything that they saved by working hard for years. Just gone by a virus or a flood or a forest fire or an earthquake or war. Everything can be lost in seconds, in minutes. You're showing us, O oh Lord, there's only one thing that is stable in this life. It's you. It's just you. So this morning we want to come back to the throne. Put our heart, our hope, our trust, everything on you and you alone, our God. For heaven and earth will pass away. It will, because you said so. But you will never, your word will be never put out, put away. Your throne has been established forever and ever. And your son is seated on that throne forever and ever. So we have the joy of coming back to you and to your word this morning. Speak to us and teach us, Lord. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. So here we are, exhorted by the great businessman, not Trump, but Lord Jesus, who said, occupy it till I come. <laughs> okay. It's interesting to know that God is too a businessman, right? <laughs> Maybe I should have a title, when businessmen become rulers. <laughs> okay. So, Lord, how do I occupy if I keep limiting your very power in my life, which is given to occupy? I cannot occupy. I cannot do his work. I cannot enforce his kingdom in my life or in my surroundings if I limit him. There is power given, right? Ephesians 3.20 shows us the nature of that power, what God wants us wants to do through us. To him who is able to do, it's he who does, able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. Okay, he does. And Hebrews, you know, Philippia, Hebrews will say he is the one who wills and does it through us. Philippians 2.20, okay? He's able to do it. It's he who does. But, okay, yeah, it's verse 13, okay? For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. You have to put it all together. Okay, so the power is there. The power is there to deliver us to the uttermost and to use us. Like we, it defies our own imagination how he can use us. Okay, but the question is, how does it happen? In Psalm 78, verse 41 and 42, Yet again and again they tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. And they did not remember His power. His power was there to set them free, to deliver them. And no, I'm slightly confused because Pastor Vijay looks different with his glasses. Especially <laughs> <Okay>. when <laughs> he teaches, he's very serious. Now with that dark frame glasses, he looks even more serious. Okay. 
<laughs> it is not the fear of the Lord, it is the terror of the Lord. <laughs> okay. Okay, that's why I last time when he was preaching, he was taking his glasses off and we felt good in our spirit. Okay. So his power is there. Okay. They did not remember his power. Because the power which he first manifested to Israel in Egypt, unbelievable power of God, the ten judgments of God, Egypt's entire army being swallowed by the Red Seas, they saw it all, the power of God. Okay, power of God being manifested through one man. That is the key. Okay, what do you mean? That is what you have to see. Okay, that's all this. Okay, one man. One man stands like this and then puts his hand down. An army is gone. Okay, army is gone. And God says, do you remember? Have you forgotten all these things? Have you forgotten? It's me. It's my power. But through man. Okay, so what are you afraid of? What are you scared of? Okay, we forget his power to deliver and we limit his power in our lives. Literally, we become like clogged pipes with the overhead tank full. And all we get is a trickle. Okay? Drip, drip. Actually, sometimes not even a drop. Like I said, okay? A lot of people, Christians, sadly live by mercy and not by grace. It's an entirely different thing, living by mercy. Mercy is for both the believer and the unbeliever. So we always have to ask ourselves, how is my life better than the unbeliever? And we live it also. The rain falls upon both the righteous and the unrighteous. That's why Jesus said, even if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, okay, it's, that's all it needs. Faith taps into the power of God, into the very grace of God, and boom, okay, so that we will live by grace and not mercy, okay, not by mercy. <clears throat> like I said, God's problem is not with the world. It's with his own people, okay. God is not uh, talking to the world. It's the world only one message. 40 days and no more. Repent and get in. But to the church and to Israel, like in the Old Testament, Israel in the new covenant with the church. Okay? It is with this because the world is not asked to believe the exceeding great power of God. The church is asked to. Israel is asked. Okay? And if you don't believe it, just read the five indictments of God against the seven churches in the new covenant. Okay, and we, when we look at the picture of Elijah, <coughs> we see what God can do through just one man. One man, stop the tide of evil. One man. Before, otherwise, the nation would have gone down during the time of Ahab. But God stopped. You see, you will never see in Israel's history before or after Ahab Jezebel combination. So it was the worst actually period in Israel's time. But one man stopped the flow. It just stopped the tide of evil. So Israel and Judah got much, much, much longer because of one man. Okay. And he literally thwarts the entire king and his army. Soldiers are looking for him everywhere. They can't find him. Okay. He's hidden and fed well. Okay. He stands alone against everybody, binds the forces of darkness and releases the power of God. But today's question. But at the end of this, there is this two incidents. Okay? Exodus chapter 18, sorry, 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 36. 
36. <clears throat> it came to pass at that time of the offering of evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, uh, can I have it in NIV? NIV? I mean, it's okay, the same thing. At the same time of sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed. Now go to 18, 1 and 2. After a long time in the third year, the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Go present yourself to Ahab and I will send rain on the land. Say Ahab. What did God say? Go to Ahab. Present yourself. This is what you have to do. And I will send rain. Okay, now go back to verse 36. At the time of the sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed. If you already have a promise that God is going to do this, why do you have to pray? Why do you have to pray? Think about it. God has already said, go, do, I'm going to do this. Then why do you have to pray? God has already said he's going to do this. This is the most overlooked part in genuine believers' lives. Okay. That even... Righteous people limit God in their lives by not praying, even though they have the promises. Even though they have the promises. The promises of God, are, it's his word. Go present, I'll send rain. Lord. But he prayed. But he prayed. In James 5, verse 16 and 18. Confess your trespasses to one another. Pray to one another that you may be helped. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Okay. The righteous man has to pray. Okay. Your righteousness alone is not to avail much. It's not going to bring change in your society, in your family, your society, or your nation. Elijah was a man with nature like ours. He prayed earnestly. Okay. He has God's promise and God's word. It would not rain. Right? He goes and says, until the word of the Lord comes through my mouth, it will not rain. But it's, that's God's word to him. So why does he have to pray? Here it says he prayed. It wouldn't rain. Okay? And then he prayed again. The question is, when you have God's word, absolute certain word, why do you have to pray to bring it to pass? No? Second Peter chapter 2, verse 7 and 8. And God, okay, context, delivered righteous Lot who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them tormented his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deed. Righteous Lot, righteous man, righteous soul. Three times you cannot now contradict he is not righteous. Three times God's spirit through his word is saying. So Abraham is righteous, Lot is righteous. What is the difference between these two righteous men? One prayed, the other didn't. It's the only difference. Abraham has a man of prayer. So his life is entirely dictated by his altars. Entirely dictated by altars. Both are righteous people. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man. Okay? So we limit God, limit God by not praying. We have the promises and we think automatically it will come to pass. God says no. It's not going to come to pass. He says, you need to pray. 
Let me ask you this rhetorical question. Do you know what is the second most difficult thing in the church? Not the first, the second most. The second most is to get people to listen to the word of God. Therefore, the most difficult thing is to get people to get into their closet and pray. The second most is listening to the word of God. But still people will listen if you make it entertaining enough. The most difficult thing in the kingdom of God is to get people to shut the door behind them and actually pray, actually intercede. So difficult. And that things don't happen. I'm just saying, I had all these promises, I heard all these things, but God said you never prayed. Elijah had all the promises of God. The very absolute direct revelation of God. But he prayed. Fire came. First Kings 18.42 Fire came. People changed. Everybody fell on their faces. The prophets of Baal are destroyed. Ahab went to eat and drink. Elijah went to the top of Carmel. Then he bowed down on the ground and put his face between his knees. Why is he praying again? Didn't he promise? <laughs> Everything has happened, no Lord? Now all I have to do is just stand back and watch it rain. You know, that's what people do. You know, everything has done. Fire has come down. People have changed. They have turned to Yahweh. Prophet Baal has been destroyed. Now the rain will come. No. God says, get up, go up, get on your knees and pray. Okay, so we need to ask these questions. Okay, we have to ask. Meaning, you could turn with all your heart to God, destroy sin in your life, and be declared righteous. Still not pray. And nothing happens. So the question is this, why should the righteous man pray? See, actually, <laughs> the people who pray are the wicked. <laughs> Nothing happens. The wicked one is always praying because they are always in trouble. So they are always praying and nothing seems to be happening. We are not talking about the wicked praying. The wicked should be praying for mercy. But why is the righteous not praying? Or why should the righteous pray? <coughs> The reason is this. Genesis chapter 1 verses 28 to 30. The Lord blessed them. And the Lord said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on earth. See, I have given you every herb that yields seed which is on the face of all the earth. Every tree whose fruit yields seed to you, it shall be for food, in words, to also to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, to everything that creeps on the earth in which there is life. I have given every green herb for food and it was so. What did God do? He God gave earth to man. Who does it belong to? God. But he gave it to man. Now this is the nature of him. God is righteous. God is right. And we don't understand in India, we don't understand it, but we need to understand the concept. Imagine, uh, my son is 18 years old, 19 years old, I buy him a car and give it. Now, whose is the car? It's his, okay? So if I want to ask him, I will ask him. If I want to use it, say, can you give me the, can I use your car? Now, when our children grow a particular age, you don't understand, we always knock their door before getting, because we gave it to them. We gave it to them. We just don't get in there like that. Though it's our house, we don't get in like that because now they are an adult. We gave the room to them. So we ask the permission before we end. Children, when they're small, no. <laughs> don't 
don't shut your door. And I have a little city there. And one day she locked it. He said, how dare you lock the door from inside? Don't you dare lock the door from inside. You are a minor. You shouldn't lock the door from inside because by some time it gets jammed. I always have to have access into your room to see that you are safe. Okay, you don't have that right. Don't lock. Don't lock the door. Because when you are small, don't lock the door. You are. But when you come to an age, we give you a room. We give you something. It's yours. Though you paid for it, you worked for it, you earned the money, you paid for it. Once it is given, the earth and the fullness belongs to God. But God has given. So this is God's righteousness. So he sets before us life and death, but he still says, you choose. So we have all the promises of God, but we limit God. Look at Second Peter 1 and 3 to 4. His divine power has given to us all things <clears throat> that pertain to. He has given all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So he has given us everything you need for life. And he says, my promises are there. It's like Elijah. Go. At your word, it will not rain. So after that, he goes, says, he doesn't have the promise he's doing, okay? And he prays, and he goes. Then after three and a half years, he says, go, it will rain. He goes, he says, and he prays. So the promises are there. But the promises don't automatically come to pass. We have to pray. And we limit God because of the nature of our prayer life. We limit God. <clears throat> James chapter 4 and verse 2. Look at what the word of God says. You lust and do not have. You desire for so many things. And then you fight with each other. In the house, in the family, in the church, in the office, everywhere. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. Murder does not mean you literally kill, which people do. But you destroy others' reputations so that you can hope to get what they have. You fight and war. And God says, yet you do not have, because you do not. It was so simple. Why did he have to do all this thing? Why didn't you ask me? Well, that's what we tell ourselves. Why are you fighting among yourself? Why didn't you ask me? That's enough for both of you. <laughs> Why do you have to fight? That's enough for both of you. Okay? Well, that's what God's saying. You do not have, because you do not ask. All the promises are there. Everything, A and Amen in Christ Jesus, and yet you don't have. Lord, <laughs> simply because you don't pray. You do not have because you do not ask. Asking God is called praying. That's we know the old English, British English style. No, whenever we ask for leave, it is always I pray. <laughs> you grant me leave. Okay, now we don't pray anymore. Okay, <laughs> okay. I demand. <laughs> it's not that I am not coming. <laughs> That's all. Okay. So the question is that all this is there. Look at Daniel chapter nine, verses one and two. In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of the lineage of the Medes, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by the books the number of years specified by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. So he read his word and he realized, hey, this is what God said, 70 years, and after that you are free. And 70 years are over. But he prays. 
and he prays and causes the hand of God to move. <laughs> okay, he prays. He understands prophecy. He understands God has spoken. Seventy years are up, but now let me pray. The problem is we study prophecy so well and we get it up to date and we don't pray. <laughs> Nothing happens. <laughs> so the question is, why should I pray? Why should I pray? This is what Paul is talking about. We becoming co-laborers with God. We are in partnership with God. God can do things on his own sovereignly. But he said, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Certain times he intervenes for our sake, even with all. But he says, usually I don't do it. I want to do it with you. With your knowledge, through you, with your permission. You pray. We pray. Okay? Now, when we pray, 1 John chapter 4, verses 14 and 15. How do we limit God even when we pray? Now we have seen and testified the Father. Uh, I think it's 5-5, five, five, not 4-5. Now this is the confidence that we have in Him. If we ask, in it, God says you do not have because you do not ask. He says, but you can ask confidently. This is the confidence that we have in Him. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears. And if we know that he hears, hears whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. Okay. He says, this is a, you can be very confident. First thing, get to, that's why we come to the meditation, the study of the word of God. So we understand him. We understand his will for us. And then we ask according to his will. We know he hears us. He always hears us. He will never say no. He will either say yes or he will say wait. Your, your prayer is right, the timing is wrong, just wait. Okay, so Daniel must have been praying. But it's in the year of Ahasuerus, first year of Ahasuerus, he realized time is right. 70 years are up. You can't ask for an answer when it's only 65 years or 60 years. God said 70. So God has his timing and we don't want anything before God's timing. It's not that God cannot do. I'm not ready to receive it. I haven't grown up to receive what he has for me. He has certain things for you and me at certain periods in our life. And we should not get it before that because we are not ready for that. So, even though Joseph has been given a vision that he will reign, he's ready for it only at 30. The vision is given at 17. He's not ready. The vision is true, but the timing is 13 years from then. Therefore, God says, you surrender to my voice and to my word. And prayer, it opens us up to the will of God because we have to ask according to the will of God. First, we have to understand the general will of God, which is good. Then we move to the pleasing will of God and then we go to the perfect will. Good, pleasing and perfect, right? Or pleasing, good. Good, pleasing and perfect. That's a three stages, okay? We're not looking at that. <coughs> On the other hand, if we ask According to our own desires, we set ourselves above God. Okay? Above God. Okay? Now there are two people here. There is the one who asks and there is the one who gives. Okay? And like a child comes and demands from his father, he has set himself above his father. That's why the prodigal son did and he messed his life, lost everything. Lost everything. Same thing with Lot. Got a chance, freed from captivity, 
he should have asked Abraham, now you lead me. I understood. I saw everything. You rescued my life. I saw the king blessing you. I've seen it all. You saying no to all this money. I've seen it. I've learned my lesson. You lead me. He didn't. He still went. Okay? So, if we ask according to our desires, to the same person who has power, we are actually setting ourselves above him. My will in opposition to his will. But you are asking God. But we are asking God now to serve us. And not that we are serving God. Okay? So we are now using God instead of God using us. We are no longer worshipping God. We are worshipping self and just using God for that. It's a worship of self. Which is called idolatry. Okay? If you can continue in NIV, Psalm 78 and verse 58. They angered him with their high places and aroused his jealousy with their idols. Now let's look at NKJV also. I mean, they provoked him with his anger to anger with their high places and moved him to jealousy with their carved images. So how did Israel limit God? Okay, different things. It's not that they didn't pray. They kept on asking God. <laughs> they kept on asking, 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 asking God. Okay? So what? They provoked him by their high places and their idols. Okay? Two things. Second Corinthians chapter 10. We have to put it into the new covenant. 10, 3 to 5. For the weapons of a warfare are not carnal. Yeah, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So in the old covenant, you will have two things. You will have a high place and an idol. In the new covenant, we have an opinion, high thing above God's word, and we have ourselves. The self, okay? The worship of self. There's an idol and there is an opinion. Both has to be there. Because man, like I said, no, once man was created into God's image, he cannot have an idol alone. He needs to have a high thing too. Because his conscience will warp him. It will mess him up. The dog doesn't have that problem. The cat doesn't have any problem. Like I said, the cat will come through anybody's window, drink your milk and go, never apologizes. Never apologizes. Okay? Never apologizes because there's no conscience there. No conscience over there. Okay? But in our case, it's different. We were breathed in by God. So there is a conscience. So what happens is, you cannot have an idol in a low place. You can only have an idol in a high place. The high place is the one which is giving sanction to the idol. So in religion, you will always see everybody is trying to elevate their place of worship, high, high towers and this thing and all, higher, higher, high place and an idol. But we have to understand what it means. We'll say, I have no idols. We don't go look for hilltops to build our temple or church or anything. That's not God says. You, you are the temple. What has happened is you have exalted yourself and an opinion or an idea. Ideas are important. Okay. And once that happens, you cannot talk to them. 
They think they are very smart. But actually in the kingdom of God, they are children. Pilla. They are children. They will think they know everything. But if you listen to them, what they know is everything from the world. And they confuse that as the knowledge of God. And they have so much experience of the world. And they will tell you history, geography, philosophy, everything they will tell. But when it comes to knowing the real living God, they don't know. They can even give discourses about religion. Religion is man's attempt to know God. It's not God revealing himself to man. So religion and philosophy also doesn't make any difference. So 1 John 5.21 says to children, no, 21, little children, keep yourself from idols. Okay, Children are fascinated by idols, spiritual children. We are not talking about the children of age. We are talking about actually these children are all older people who have read a lot and have grown up with their own opinions and they hold to that opinion and they will not receive the word of God. And that opinion becomes the block. They have an idol, which is self, and that opinion or that idea keeps feeding it. Okay? Feeding it. One of the opinions with older people is this, and a lot of opinions. Okay? Like, uh, if you are a man, submit your husband in all things as unto the Lord. That is an opinion. They hold on very strongly. And that's the only words they know in the Bible. And they have built an idol around it. The idol is self. Listen to everything that I say. And 99% of the things what he says doesn't agree with the word of God. But you have an opinion. You have an idol. So this is what sanctifies or sanctions all his decisions and all his verbal abuse. Okay. Or then... Patriarch or matriarch. Patriarchy, matriarchy, meaning the father, the mother, this thing. So that is an office. Okay, they take that patriarch and matriarch. And then they sit there and they rule. Everybody has to serve my opinion. But that patriarch or the matriarch is wicked in their head. But they will use the opinion of patriarchy or matriarchy. Okay, matriarch also means David is dead. Now who is his mother? Bathsheba. So this fellow, Binadab, comes to Bathsheba and says, please tell your son, who is my younger brother, but he is the king, can I have that girl? Okay, so he tries to throw. We think Mary worship began yesterday. No, it began long time ago. This mother, matriarchy or patriarchy. These are all offices given by God. But the problem is the purpose of these offices was always righteousness. Not unrighteousness. So that is what you say in Roman, how they hold the truth in unrighteousness. The truth. Is patriarchy true? Yes. Matriarchy true? Yes. Father, mother, honor them. But how do they function? Do they function in righteousness or do they function in unrighteousness? Is kingship true? Yes. But do they function in righteousness or unrighteousness? Almost all the kings of Israel and Judah were unrighteous. Right? Okay. Has the husband the lord of his wife? Yes, the Bible says so. But is he supposed to lord over in unrighteous? No. Okay. So we have to look at all this, how a truth is held in unrighteousness. So what happens? Then the truth has become an idol. You have detached it from the whole book. It becomes an idol. The idol is you. You're using truth to serve you. And there is an opinion over there. And you cannot speak to them. You cannot speak to them. 
cannot speak to them because their entire structure basically is built on feelings. Very strong feelings and emotions connected to that idol and that opinion. The idol is me. The opinion is something from the word of God that sanctions the worship of me. So people will make statements, I feel, therefore I am. The philosopher will come and say, I think, therefore I am. The spiritual man says, I believe, therefore I am. Okay? Okay? I believe, therefore I am. I believe. So that's what Paul will come and say, I no longer live. Because I believe he has to live through me. So please understand the danger, what happens about prayer, why we limit God, because we do not pray, and we again limit God, because we pray amiss. James chapter 4 and verse 3. We ask, you ask and do not receive, because you ask amiss. You ask wrong, that you may spend it on your own pleasure. All your prayers are connected with your own flesh, your own desires. You ask, okay, you ask, but you don't receive because you ask wrong that you may spend it on your flesh because the idol is there. The flesh is the idol, okay, the idol, and the opinion is there, me, mine, myself, okay, turn to Ezekiel chapter 14, verses 1 to 4, everybody knows in JTC, at least, almost everybody, I guess. Now some of the elders of Israel came to me. Who is this? Ezekiel. Who came? The elders. Not the ordinary people. The elders came. And the word of the Lord came to me saying, the elders are sitting before Ezekiel because the word of the Lord is not coming to them. So they are coming to Ezekiel to say, what does the Lord have to say? Okay. They don't, they should ask in the first place. God is not a respecter of people. He has shown it throughout scripture. Why is the word of God not coming to me? Okay, why is it not coming to me? And why is it coming to this man? It's coming to this man because he has no flesh. There are no idols in his heart. Ezekiel has no idols in his heart. Therefore, God is able to speak to him very, very clearly. Son of man, these men have set up their idols in their hearts. The idols are in their hearts. And put before them that which causes them to stumble into iniquity. They have an idol and they have an opinion and they will stumble into iniquity. Should I let myself be inquired at all, at all by them? Do you think these people, when they come and ask all according to their flesh, I should answer them? That's why I believe the prophetic is so completely confused now. Will Trump win? For what? What are you going to do if he wins? What are you going to do? Are you going to change your life? Nobody is sure. For the first time, nobody is sure. It wasn't until 2016. 2020, 20, what happened? Because I came here four years, I didn't see anybody changing. So I'm not telling anybody. You wait. I'll tell you next month. What are you going to do if he wins? Tell me now. If he wins, what will you do? Hmm? Therefore speak to them and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Every one of the house of Israel who sets up his idols in his heart and puts before him what causes him to stumble into iniquity, then comes to the prophet, I the Lord will answer him who comes according to the multitude of his idol. I'll answer him. What will I tell him? According to the idol. Now we read from 6 to 11. Then only the full picture comes. Therefore say to the house of Israel, Thus says the Lord God, Repent, 
turn away from your idols and turn your faces away from all your abominations. For anyone of the house of Israel or of the strangers who dwell in Israel, who separates himself from me and sets up his idols in his heart and puts before him what causes him to stumble into iniquity, then comes to the prophet to inquire of him concerning me, I the Lord will answer. So when you put up an idol, you already separated yourself from God. And you're still coming to God for an answer. He says, this is how I'll answer him. I will set my face against that man and make him a sign and a proverb. I think many of Solomon's proverbs came from these men. I will cut him off from the midst of my people. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. And if the prophet is induced to speak anything, I the Lord have induced that prophet. And I will stretch out my hand against him and destroy him from among my people Israel. And they shall bear their iniquity. The punishment of the prophet shall be the same as the punishment of the one who inquired. That the house of Israel may no longer stray from me, nor be profane anymore with all their transgressions, that they may be my people, I may be their God, says the Lord. He says both the person and the prophet will be destroyed. And you see that throughout Israel's history. The kings are asking, everybody is saying victory, victory, victory. Finally the king also dies, the prophet also dies. So God will allow a multitude multiplicity of false prophets and he will cause them to tell them lies and the person who anchors also will die the prophet also will die and what are the simple reason they had an idol in a heart and they are all asking the lord they are all praying <laughs> these are not people who are not praying so it is not enough to pray you have to be careful how you pray that your prayer is not according to the flesh then what happens, prayers and prophecies actually turn around and become judgments over us. Look at First Samuel chapter 8, 4 to 8, and then verse 9. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together, came to Samuel at Ramah and said, Look, you are old, and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. Look at that second. That was the problem. You are old and your children are corrupt. So can you please go to the Lord and say, Lord, we want somebody like you. That's not what they said. That's not what they said. We want a king like the other nation. We look at the other nation, they all have kings. Oh boy, when the king comes, the glory, the chariot, the horsemen. What is this old man walking around before us with a stick like that? We are ashamed of you. We are ashamed of you. That's a problem. They're just saying nice things to him, like, you are not corrupt, they are corrupt. No, but that's not the point. The point is that when they look, other kings, a nation, the king comes in the chariot, horses, horsemen, bodyguards, everything, glory. And then what happens? Hmm? What happens? How do you come? You have no bodyguards, nothing. You come wearing that robe and a staff in your heart and you're going around prophesying, preaching. You want to be like them. Boris, um, what is that? Johnson will go on a cycle to his office. Modi goes with Z category. Car after car after car after car after. All right, I also want to become PM one day. Sweden's PM may go to office in the metro. We don't even know who that fellow is. No, Now that's of course humanism. Let's leave that aside. If he wants bodyguard, the Congress won't pay for them. That's the problem that he wants, but they won't pay for it. Okay, verse 9. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, give us a king to judge us. That's what. 
That's what it displays. King. So Samuel prayed to the Lord. If he had asked for a judge, it would have been a different thing. A judge is somebody who is judging between right and wrong. A king is somebody who rules over you. You're replacing a king. Israel has only one king. That's God. That displeased him. The Lord said to Samuel, Hear the voice of the people in all that they say to you. For they have not rejected you. They have rejected me. That I should not reign over them. Don't you understand this? They don't want me reigning over them. That's why they don't like you. King will say, okay, bring your tax of this thing and he will give everything to the people. But the judge will say, you are wrong, you are wrong. Put your life right, put your life right, put your life right, put your life right. They don't want a judge. They don't want a judge. They want a king like the Gentile kings. The king is wicked, the people also can be wicked. That's what I said, if you read the Bible carefully, David was not very popular with the people. Was not very popular with the people because they didn't want a man like that as their king. That was the king God chose because he was righteous. They did. That's why they will take Absalom over David, and the whole country goes on to that side. Okay, now I'll read from words. Uh, yeah, according to all the words they have done to this day, with which they have forsaken me and served other gods. So they are like that. He says, in their heart, they will always go after idolatry. So they are doing to you also. Now therefore, hear their voice. However, you shall solemnly forewarn them and show them the behavior of the king who will reign over them. You warn them. They ask you for a king, I'll give them a king. But statutory warning you give them. This is what will happen to you. I mean, they are selling cigarettes in the market. But there is a warning. This is what will happen to you. That has stopped anybody from... The only thing every budget the price goes up one of it is, is alcohol, the second is cigarettes. But consumption is not decreasing. You can put skull and bones, everything on it, people will still land in the stand in the line for it. Okay. Okay. People will still stand in the line for it. A pan pandemic or rain or thunder, one line never stops. Alright? It's idolatry. Ten to eighteen. So Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who asked him for a king. He said, this will be the behavior of the king who will reign over you. He will take your sons, appoint them for his own chariots to be his horsemen. Some will run before his chariots. He will appoint captains over his thousands, captain over his fifties, will set some to plow his ground, reap his harvest, some to make the weapons of war, equipment for his daughters. He will take your daughters to be perfumers, cooks and bakers. And he will take the best of your fields, your vineyards, your olive groves, and give them to his servants. He will take a tenth of your grain, your vintage, give it to his officers and servants. He will take your mills. See, this is opposite to Samuel. Take, 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 take. Samuel will come and say, did I take anything? Did I take anything from you? You don't want a guy who will not take anything from you. You want a guy who will take everything from you and just give you a title. That's what they do in IT companies, no? They don't pay you more. They give you a fancy title. They take everything, make you work 12 hours and give you a nice title. Next time they give you a better title and make you work 14 hours. Take, 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 take. Yeah. Till um, 18. And you will cry out in that day because of your king whom you have chosen yourself and the Lord will not hear you in that day. Right? We are talking about Saul or we are talking about Israel's king kings, what they will do. But God is not talking to us about that in the new covenant. In the new covenant, God is talking to us about it. You serve flesh, this is what will happen to you. The flesh will take and take and take and take and take and take. It can never be satisfied and leave you empty. If your flesh is king, this is the state of your life. If you are going to serve your flesh, this is what you are. This is what you will be. 
Right? This is what you will be. Ecclesiastic chapter 2. Remember the man who was a king and went after flesh? Verse 11. Oh, sorry. 11. Then I looked at all the works that my hands had done and on the labor in which I had toiled and indeed all was vanity, grasping for the wind, there was no profit. I mean, he, I mean, you can even work for your flesh and be an actual workaholic and we think work is wrong. When you're a workaholic and you're working for your flesh, the work will bring you just emptiness. Verse 16. Right? There was no remembrance of the vice of the fool forever. You wonder why I ran after wisdom and then you die. And you realize you die the same way the fool dies. Empty. And verse 17, what does he want? We saw that on Sunday. What does he want? Therefore I hated life. You actually hate your life. Okay? That's what he says. Much knowledge brings much trouble. Because this was not the knowledge of God. This was the knowledge about God. Not of God. Okay, and every department of science and philosophy, humanities, fine arts, he tried it all. First Samuel eight nineteen to twenty one. Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel. They said, "No, but we will have a king over us, so we also may be like all the nations." That's the problem. We want to be like the Gentile nation. We don't want to be separate. We want to be like the world. That our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battle. The problem is the judge, like Samuel, doesn't fight. He stands and he will pray and they have to fight. They want a king who will lead them in this splendor. The people, had Samuel heard all the words of the people and he repeated them in the hearing of the Lord. And the God said, don't worry. They didn't reject you, Samuel. Don't get upset by this. So preachers also shouldn't get upset when people reject their preach. They are not rejecting the preach. They are rejecting God. If your word is authentic, he's telling Samuel, don't get upset. When we ask according, Hosea 13 and verse 11. Hosea 13 verse 11. I gave you a king in my anger and took him away in my wrath. Okay. I gave you a king in my anger, meaning I l- allowed your flesh to reign. Then in my wrath, I took your life away. That's what it means. And that I see you cried and you cried and you cried and you cried, but there was no answer. Okay, and literally, if you look at Saul's life, was given in anger and he was destroyed in God's wrath. He cried out, no response from God at all. So it's talking about an individual man. So Psalm 78 and verse 25. When you are praying, be very careful. You don't pray according to your flesh. Men ate angels food and he sent them food to the full. Nobody could actually say in the desert they were hungry. They had plenty. They could collect as much as they could for each day. And could eat as much as you want. Nobody said, I am so hungry today. And what they ate was angelic food. Manna was angelic food. But what happened? 26 onwards to 31. He caused an east wind to blow in the heavens and by his power he brought in the south wind. Why? Because they said, we are tired of this manna. We are sick of this manna. You want no? some biryani. He also rained meat on them like dust. 
feathered fowl like the sand of the sea. He let them fall in the midst of their camp, all around their dwelling. Just like manna fell, birds also fell. Manna used to fall from the sky like that. And they thought, okay, manna can fall, but Lord, we are hungry for meat, Lord. We remember in Egypt, we ate meat, 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 meat. God said, okay, I'll make, I'll see you my power. I can make meat rain in you just like the manna. So they ate and were well filled, for he gave them their own desire. They did not ask God's desire, their own desire. They were not deprived of their craving, but while their food was still in their mouths, the wrath of God came against them and slew the stoutest of them and struck down the choice men of Israel. So we know something that is there, which is not there in the Exodus account. The ones who died by eating the quail were the strongest among them. Okay, strongest among them. Now let us take a look at here. I mean, look at Pastor Vijay, Dr. Richard, Sammy, Peter, me, five of us there. Who do you think can eat the most? Not me, definitely. Pastor Vijay. <laughs> okay, six feet plus and built well, right? He definitely can eat more than of us. Okay, so when the quail fell, who do you think ate the most? The big guys. Who do you think they ate more than the others? Who do you think died? <laughs> Who do you think died? The strongest died. Okay. So God says, did you see what happened? The wrath of God came against them. I gave you a king in my anger and destroyed them. In the All this is answer to prayer. This is what you need to answer. Everybody is praying. <laughs> Everybody is praying. And God is answering prayer and destroying people. through. So you do not have because you do not ask. We limit God by not asking. And then when we ask, we ask amiss. Our prayers itself becomes a double-edged sword. It starts working against us because we did not seek the will of God. So you need to see there are prayers and prayers. Okay. So why don't people not really, really listen to the word of God and enter into the prayer closet in secret? Everybody prays it's only in public. Very few people pray in their prayer closets in secret. Why? Because why don't they listen to the word of God and enter in their prayer closet in secret? Because it will cause the death of self. Death of self. A lot of people say, I try praying, but I cannot concentrate. It's all bunkum. You can try it a few times, suddenly you will realize it's a death of self. <clears throat> because true prayer takes its focus off self to God's will. And true preaching will also take your focus off self and to the king. And we limit God by our lack of genuine prayer. That is intercessory prayer. Genuine prayer is intercessory prayer. It is not asking for our needs. God says, your father already knows what you need. We need to ask more for needs of others. Okay, that's intercessory prayer. In Hebrews 7 and verse 25, we see the intercessor. The intercessor. Therefore, he is, he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. The, Jesus is the intercessor. So true prayer is always intercessory prayer. Who is an intercessor? Intercessor is this, Job 9 and verse 32 to 33. How not to limit God by our prayers? How do we do through intercessory prayers? 
for he is not a man as I am, that I may answer him, and that we should go to court together, nor is there any mediator between us who may lay his hand on us both. Intercessor is somebody who will lay one hand on God and one hand on man. For that he has to be between heaven and earth, and that's what Jesus did on the cross. He's hanging literally between heaven and earth, lays one hand on God, Lord, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. That is intercessory prayer. Okay? Intercessory prayer. <coughs> hanging between heaven and earth. Standing between heaven and earth. One hand on God, one hand on man. That is Elijah doing on Mount Carmel. One hand on God, one hand on man. Lord, prove yourself and turn these people back to you. It's about you and about them. I'm just standing in the middle. That is true intercessory prayer. And that's the kind of prayer that God is looking for. He will start with all this, but he says, I don't want you to end with that. I want you to move from that to true intercessory prayer. And every true intercessor will have to ultimately die to self. Die to self. Because he's hanging between heaven and earth, or standing between heaven and earth, laying hands on both. The problem is this. You can also have the ultimate picture of the fellow who prays in the flesh. He is also trying to lay the hand of God for his flesh. So there are two pictures of this, how they end. One is Absalom. Absalom. He'll be hanging between heaven and earth. Neither heaven wants him, nor will earth receive him. Okay. The second is the one who joins ministry for that. That is Judas. He will also hang between heaven and earth. These are two different kinds of categories. One is a fellow who is absolutely carnal. He only wants the world. All flesh and nothing else. This is the fellow who joins the ministry. That is Judas. So two pictures are there in the Bible. These two are also hanging between heaven and earth. When heaven doesn't want them, earth won't receive them. And they are gone. So we need to realize what God is looking. God says, you limit me by your prayers. While intercessors take the limits of God through their prayers. Elijah stands on Mount Carmel. Moses standing on the mountain with the staff of God in his in his hand. Daniel in his prayer closet standing there and starting a movement for the remnant to go back. Okay? So God says, Psalm 78. Verse 32-33. In spite of this, they still sinned and did not believe in his wondrous works. Therefore, their days he consumed in futility and their years in fear. In spite of all this, they didn't change their prayer life. They didn't change their prayer life, what they were asking. So what did he do? He gave them what they asked. And their lives were empty. Like Solomon's life is the most empty life in the Bible. Because your emptiness is connected to your knowledge. No, before movies and all came into India, people didn't, were not so miserable. No? Not miserable. Because they didn't know all these gadgets were there, all this stuff were there, no? They had no clue what it was. Once a week or once a month, people went, saw the talkies. They were called talkies those days. They saw there, they laughed, they clapped their hands, and they went back home and lived their lives. Then came cable TV. And then everybody is unhappy, miserable. No? Verse 34, 35. Yeah, 34, 35. When he slew them, they sought him. They returned and sought honestly for God. Then they remembered their God was their rock and the most high God, their redeemer. But this was only a flash in the pan. The only thing these people in the flesh would understand was a good spanking. 
And when he spanked them, they sought him. Then they forgot. Okay. In verse 36 to 37. Again, they limit God. Okay. 36, 37. How do we limit God? Nevertheless, they flattered him with their mouth and they lied to him with their tongue. For their heart was not steadfast with him, nor were they faithful in his covenant. Okay. Now they pray so much. Words is coming out like a stream from their mouth. But the problem is, this is what is called, we limit God by our hypocrisy. We say one thing with our mouth, but we have something else in our heart. Now this walk works with man. It doesn't work with God. That's what they don't realize. Okay, there's a disconnect. It's a mouth-heart disconnect. It's called hypocrisy. They have flattered him with their mouth. You can flatter people. And they get very happy because they have no clue what you're thinking about them. That's why scripture says the word of God will open up the soul and the spirit and shows you the intents and the thoughts of your heart. Intents and the thoughts of your heart. In Matthew 15, 8 and 9, this is what Jesus said. These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but the heart is far from him. In vain they worship me. Teaching has doctrines, the commandments of men. He says, okay. What does flattery do? Flattery will tell you what you want to hear. Truth will tell you what you need to hear. Okay. So they flatter. They flatter. Doctrines of men. Today, of course, it's only doctrines of men. The doctrines of men, if it has to be a doctrine of man, the man has to be in the center. So if a man is at the center, you will get a doctrine, which is big picture, is called humanism, because human is at the center, not God. Human is at the center. If it is male who is at the center, you have something which will ultimately work as male chauvinism. If you are female at the center, you will ultimately have uh, what is called feminism. If you have the society in the center, you will have socialism. Nowhere is God in the center, okay? These are doctrines of men. Put across, and people like it. And it's preached from the pulpits. The gospel is about you. It's not about God at all. It's not about the kingdom of God. It's about the kingdom of man. In different, 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 different formats it is put across. If it is about the community, it will be communism. Okay. You don't see God over there. So it is about man and the right of man. The rights of men, not never about the right of God who created you. So you have the sin of idolatry. Okay? You limit God by your idols, idolatry, and hypocrisy. They go hand in hand. They go hand in hand. The sin of idolatry and the sin of hypocrisy goes hand in hand. And God says, you try to do that with me, you know what? I will truth show to you. Exactly who you are. And I will answer you according to your idolatry and your hypocrisy. I will also flatter you. I will also flatter you. You come with an idol and I will send you a prophet who will say you are the cream, what you call the cream, cream de la cream. This is what God's plan is for you. You are going to be the CEO of this company. In six years you will have this estate. I will tell you exactly what you want to hear. I will also flatter you. Through his mouth. Also flatter you. Because self is king. If self is king, you can never be corrected. 
either you will be like King Saul. What is King Saul? We saw, right? Jealous, angry man on the throne with a spear in his hand. Let's go back and look. When flesh is king. I like that. First Kings chapter 18, 7 to 11. This is David. The women sang as they danced. Saul has slain his thousands and David is his ten thousand. And Saul was very angry and that saying displeased him. And he said, they have ascribed David. I mean, look at it. Why should he be upset? He's just a servant. You are the king. Who is he? One soldier. He has not even actually recruited him into this army yet. He's just a volunteer for that day. He's not even a regular member of his militia or anything. He's just a servant of the king. And the people said the servant did something great. And he's jealous. Why are you jealous and angry about a servant? Let's read further. Because flesh is king. Saul eyed David from that day forward. And it happened the next day that the distressing spirit from God came upon Saul. And he prophesied inside the house. Look at that. He's prophesying. I think it's written what he prophesied because he's prophesying on the power of the evil spirit, not the Holy Spirit. Okay. He's sitting there with a spear in his hand and David is playing the music. Put it in your own context, whichever context you are thinking about. You are a manager in your office and a, somebody lower down in the rank is appreciated by the management. Or you are the boss or a lady in the house and your maid servant has been appreciated. Suddenly, the spear comes out. Why are you trying? And what is David still doing? You are distressed. He's still trying to help you. <laughs> Manager doesn't know how to do this process. This fellow is still standing behind and trying to help him through this process. And you are angry with him and trying to get out of him, out of the team. He's still trying to help you. And you are trying to kill him. There was a spear in his hand. And what is he trying to do? He said, let's see what has happened when flesh is king. This is what happens when flesh is king. That is what the church has become. All flesh. Worship of self, idol and hypocrisy. One inside, another picture outside. Total disconnect. Revelation chapter 3, 14 to 17. To the angel of the church of Laodiceans, right? These things say is the Amen. He doesn't say the church of Laodicea. It's their church, not my church. I'm outside. They are all so happy about their worship service. They are excited about their worship service. I don't know why they are so excited, but they are very excited about their worship service. These things say is Amen, the faithful, the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were cold or hot. Now look, because you are lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich, have become wealthy, have need of nothing, you do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, naked. This is all. They have a picture outside and they have a different picture inside. Picture inside. And they are not even aware of it. It is a totally idolatrous church. They are full of hypocrisy. This is what in Psalm 139, 23, 24, David will pray. That's why David is a man who understands, I also went that route, I can go that way. Can we have it in KJV? KJV puts it across a little more beautiful. 
search me oh god know my heart try me and know my thoughts lord my heart my mind should there should be no disconnect and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in way everlasting lord you show me i may think i am good i may think i am good but you only know whether i am good or not you are the only one who knows the state of my heart i myself okay so this is what god is talking about why is this in interesting because this is how it will play out in the last day second thessalonians chapter 2 3 to 4 3 to 4 let no one deceive you by any means for that day will not come the day of the lord when jesus comes back the judgment will not come unless the falling away comes first so people have to fall away from the church from faith not that they will stop coming to church but they falling away from faith and the man of sin is revealed the son of perdition the man who was de- destined for destruction like judas judas was the son of perdition who opposes and exalts himself now first he opposed and exalted a opinion finally his entire life is a sum total of opinions which is against god so now he has exalted himself above god it all always starts with one opinion and two opinions then three opinions and it slowly starts building up now you have an entire ideology which contradicts the kingdom of god it is not like you began by hating christ no you just disagreed a couple of things now ultimately you end up on the anti christ group it's a process it's a progress it's not a progress it's a regress okay it doesn't overnight happen like that one idea one idea one idea one idea one idea one idea now the sum total of your ideas you oppose everything that is god or that is worship so that he sits as god in the temple of god now we are looking for the third temple and all it's already here the third temple is us and man is king god is no longer lord that is why in laodicea god come jesus is not inside he's out he's knocking at the door of a heart and says can i become lord and they say no we are lord we need you of course we need we need the tag of christianity because it's socially acceptable in much of the world we need that tag but we don't want you we don't want you to rule over us that's what they told samuel we don't want you we want yahweh we want israel everything and we want to be anointed as kings of israel okay we want everything connected to israel all the promises of god all the blessings only thing we want is that we don't want god ruling over us you want a king like the gentiles that's the issue okay and that man will be this thing the man of flesh ultimately goes to the revelation of the antichrist on the other hand in isaiah 53 verse 2 and 3 2 and 3 okay isaiah 53 2 and 3 He shall go this is Jesus grow up before him as a tender plant as a root of out of a dry ground he has no form or comeliness when we see him there is no beauty that we should desire him he is despised and rejected by men a man of sorrows acquainted with grief actually people don't desire Jesus unless you're born again truly born again and grow you won't desire Jesus because his entire beauty is spiritual his fairest of 10000 doesn't mean he's glowing like that nothing this is spiritual real beauty is spiritual okay like i told you in my childhood my parents were like secular you could do anything like i said i am my room which i had in my father's house in buda was full of hindu gods i like them they looked good 
they looked good with the halo and so many hands and their no collar. I used to even sometimes put a peacock feather in my head. No like nobody. Because when I looked at the Christian, this thing, one Catholic crucifix, I said, I mean, who wants a God like that? His two hands are crucified. He uses so many multiple hands holding so many things. Who wants a God like that? Who wants a God who comes to die for you? We want a God who will kill for us. Who wants a God? I don't want that kind of a God. So there is nothing in him that attracts us. Because a man of flesh will reject Christ. Will reject Christ. Because Christ will not put up with flesh. Christ will not put up with flesh. He will not. It doesn't matter how well it is covered. You see, Jesus was not a politically correct person. Not a politically correct person. He was not. He was not a hypocrite and he wouldn't flatter you. And it doesn't matter who you are. Pharisees with all their deities from seminary looks at them and says, you know what you are? You are whitewashed graves. Nice outside, inside stinking, rotten. And he looks at Peter and says, one minute revelation from God, second minute devil is using you. Only thing, these people don't get offended. Some people get offended. Okay. Martha, Martha, you are a very hard worker. Your problem is you have no control over your tongue and you don't know how to sit before me and listen to the word. That's your problem, Martha. Straight up, he will tell you. The question is, how many can, how many people can actually receive the word of Christ? And disciples who have left everything following me, he says, okay, I see you all following me. Let me tell you, unless my life becomes your life, you are not going to make it. And they left him. We didn't follow you for your life. We followed you to make our life. They left him. So Jesus is not a politically correct person. Nobody, unless you really understand the kingdom of God and the nature of God, and there is that's the only way we can be rescued from ourselves, which is warped after the fallen man has fallen, is what? You won't follow him till the end. You won't follow him till the end. No. And Jesus showed us the way. In Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7, he's pouring out his self-life every day in prayer. In the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. What is this death? The life of self. His entire day's prayer, morning prayer, was connected with Lord. Let flesh not show. Let me die to myself so that I hear what you have to say to me and you live my life through you. You live my your life through me. That's what I am here for. I am not here for myself. So every day he had to die to self so God was king in his life. God was king. Who? If Jesus were to ask, who is king? God is king. I don't do anything of my own. I see what my father is doing, then I do it. I hear what he's saying, I do it. I'm not living my life. I am not king. So he refused to be made king. They tried making him king many times. He said, nope, I'm not king. My father is king. He gives authority to whoever he pleases. He won't flatter. Please remember this. Proverbs 6 verse 27. 624, 24, 624. To keep you from the evil woman, from the flattering tongue of a seductress. Okay, Proverbs is Pastor Vijay's uh, forte. But we are not talking about the woman here. Remember in the Bible, woman means church. You know which a church is that evil who seduces you, seduces you with flattery. Tells you what you want to hear. This is an evil church. 
the church seduces you by flattering you. Telling you what you want to hear. And Jesus won't flatter. Jesus won't. Proverbs 7.5. Okay, that's 7.5. They may keep you from the immoral woman, from the seductress who flatters with her words. Okay, it's not talking about the woman. We don't put it, it's talking, I mean, it's talking about the woman or man, but it's not talking about that, it's talking about the church. The church, who will seduce you with her words. And Jesus won't flatter. So we saw in Psalm 78, they flattered him with their words, but their hearts and minds were so far away. So lack of prayer, or will lead ultimately to this. We all become hypocrites and idolaters and we just flatter God. We come to Sunday, we sing God as if we mean all of it and the rest of the week we don't mean anything what we said on Sunday. 15 minutes, 20 minutes, that's our worship service. And we are flattering with and our hearts are so far away from Him. You know, while true intercessors can rise only when they have died to self. Ultimately, what will happen? Daniel chapter 11, verse 21. How does it happen? How does the Antichrist rise in a world like that? In his place shall arise a wild person to whom they will not give the honor of royalty, but he shall come in. Uh, let's have an NIV. An okay. Oh. Okay. Go to KJV. Try KJV. Yes. In his estate shall stand up a wild person to whom they shall not give the honor of the kingdom, but he shall come in peaceably and obtain the kingdom by flattery. He will flatter you. He'll tell you what you want to hear. Make you feel so good about yourself. And yet take your kingdom away. Okay. Verse 32 to 35. Continue in KJV. It's a picture of the end times. Such as do wickedly against the covenant, shall he corrupt by flatteries. But the people that do know the God shall be strong and do. He will do wickedly against the covenant you made with God. But he will corrupt you with his flatteries. And they that understand among the people shall instruct many. Yet they shall fall by the sword, by the flame, by captivity, by spoil, many days. And when they shall fall, they shall... Holpen with a little, there will be help with a little help, but many shall cleave to them with flatteries. And some of them of understanding shall fall to try them, to purge, to make them white, even to the time of the end, because it is yet for a time appointed. He says, I will allow it all this to happen. And how will deception take place? Through flatteries. You see, there is, there is this there is this, uh, process, um, what you call this, uh, uh, pathway we take. It all begins because there's an idol in our heart and a high place, which leads to hypocrisy. And we are, we are what you call susceptible to flattery. When I am a hypocrite, I'm susceptible to flattery, which leads to deception, which leads to destruction. Idol, high place, hypocrisy, flattery. Deception, destruction. That's how it goes. Okay. That's how Jesus came to save us from ourselves. And he will not deceive anybody. Jesus won't deceive anybody. 
So we have actually, we have absolutely totally dumbed down masses in the world. Let's get to politics so we understand it better. You know why people don't like President Trump? Because he's not a hypocrite. He speaks before the people the way he speaks at home. That's he is. That's who he is. And we all want to pretend we are very genteel and cultured. Oh, he offends us. Come on. You are exactly the same. But he called the bluff. We call the bluff. We would prefer a flatterer like Obama than a real person like Trump. We do not judge people by substance anymore. We judge people by style. Style. That's the issue. And that's why Trump has been put right there to show the hypocrisy of the church. The Christians. Trump has got nothing to do with the rest of the world. His policies have to go with the rest of the world. Trump has taken the mask of Christian America. Taken the mask. He's taken the mask off. You know what? You are a bunch of hypocrites. That's what you really are. A bunch of hypocrites. That's what you really are. And everybody is playing into that game. Everybody is playing into that game. I mean, social media, Hollywood, news media, no? Everybody is playing into that game. Justice Department, Comey's Tour of Truth. All the junk is coming out. You're one of the most crooked people ever to sit on that chair of the FBI. Everybody is a hypocrite over there. Everybody is being unraveled before our eyes. Unraveled before our eyes. Right? Hollywood say he offenses by his words, but the word they utter cannot be even spoken in public. Right? So what is God trying to do? The athletes, the sports media, you name it all on which that edifice called America has built, everybody is being exposed. You're all idolaters. You're all hypocrites. And what you like is flattery. And eight years you got it from Obama. Eight years of flattery. Okay. And they went after him, right? Russian collusion, email, and sex tape, everything. Now look at it. Yesterday something came in. 2019, somebody, MacBook Pro, which was broken, was brought to a shop to be repaired. It came from the Bew Hunter Foundation. And whose laptop it was? Hunter Biden's. And it's got thousands of emails and a 12-minute sex tape. This son of Hunter, um, Joe Biden, on crack with the hookers. Now what is Facebook and Twitter? Everybody is banning it. It cannot be shown. Talked about Trump doing something which was a Russian hoax for four years. Now your candidate has been caught with your hands in the cookie jar and everybody is blocking it. And what does the email say? The emails actually say what Joe Biden has denied that you actually met the one of the heads of Burisma to get favors. So who was the one who was corrupt? You are electing him. No? So if he wins, like I said, the f- 2016 was about Trump. 2020 is not about Trump. It's about the church. It's about the church. If he loses, it's got nothing to do with him. He's given it his all. The church has lost because you have been shown you are just a hypocrite. And you don't deserve him for a second term. Though I still believe he will win. Okay. 
That's what the Bible, this thing says, right? Okay. Think about, think about, uh, planned parenthood. Margaret Sanger is the founder of planned parenthood. And she was anti-Semitic, anti-black, everything, racist. Hitler actually got from her the idea how to exterminate the Jews. Okay? And she is the founder of Planned Parenthood. Planned Parenthood, you go, actually most of their clinics are near where black community lives most. Because the fact of the matter is the leftists and the Democrats hate the blacks. And they want to exterminate them in U.S. So the only set of people in America whose population is not increasing are the blacks. Everybody else is going. Blacks are not increasing. They're still where actually they have come down from their earlier percentage. Okay. And Project Veritas brought out this tape they secretly recorded about Planned Parenthood selling the baby parts, everything. And using an obscure law, the only person who was persecuted, not Planned Parenthood who was selling the body parts, but this journalist who took the videos through it all, he was persecuted. And who persecuted him? Attorney General of California, Kamala Harris. Who are you voting for? She went after it because she's funded by Planned Parenthood. The hypocrisy of America. The hypocrisy of America. See, there's an entire difference of putting Trump and Biden in the same bracket. Trump, till 2016, was a private citizen. He was a businessman. He was never in politics. So what he did with his money, how he used his money is nobody's business. The only thing you have to do is did he pay his taxes. And IRS has no complaint so far. And IRS goes through everybody's with this thing. Any CA you go, you say tax loophole, he will tell you you don't have to pay taxes here because this is how you will gain. So don't put Trump. But Biden has been for 39 years, he was senator, 8 years he was vice president. So everything his son did it on his father's influence. It's a different thing. It's a different thing altogether. Bidens have sold America out, but they will cover it. And the interesting part is, this guy, the shopkeeper who got it, when he fixed it, he saw this, he reported it to the FBI. So the FBI agents came and took the laptop off. But this guy was so smart, he knew the FBI also cannot be trusted, so he had a copy of it. He made a copy and kept it, that's why it's coming out now. So you can't even, you can't even trust the FBI. So 2019, December, FBI had knew all these things and kept quiet of it and gave the Senate Judiciary Committee a clean sheet said, Barisma is fine. So who can you trust in the US system? From the top down. Except President Trump, practically. The entire system is corrupt and full of hypocrites. Look at it. Where we are now. And God says, I will hand you over. You want? Get into your prayer closet and confess first your own sins. Lord, I'm a hypocrite. I'm an idolater. This is who I am. <laughs> what are the Christians thinking about there? My question is never to the others. What are the Christians thinking about? What are they thinking about? Let us think about, <clears throat> because US is an interesting nation. 60 plus percentage are white, Caucasian. 17% plus is uh, Hispanic. 
So that it's already nine, um, 80%, almost 80. 13% is black. So that makes it to almost 95% is. You see what is common about Hispanic, black, and white in America, everybody's heritage is Christian. So you have only one or two or three percentage people whose heritage is not Christian. Even then the Filipinos and all those who have come in, they are also Christian. So what is your Christian heritage? You bunch of hypocrites. How can you stand there and be hypocritical about this election? Because this election is very clear about not two people, it's two platforms. And one side for the first time is absolutely clear. God says the first right I have is the right to life. Even before you are formed in your mother's womb, I knew you fearfully and wonderfully. I knit you together in your mother's womb. The first right any individual has is the right to life. One platform says there is no such right. Because there is an idol. The woman's body is hurt so she can make the decision. That's an idol. Self, the biggest self-idol is the idol that the body belongs to you. So you have a baby, you can murder the baby. You have to call it by it. You can murder, terminate the baby in whichever form you want. Supposing that person grows up, <coughs> grows up, that person's second right is the right to worship. That right is also taken away. The third right is the right to free speech. That is also taken away. The fourth right is economic freedom. The right to live your life and prosper. That is being taken. Socialism takes that away. You will never prosper again. You will have what the government gives you. Gives you. Right? Racial equality. Racial equality. <clears throat> That's the funniest part. Racial equality. The bunch of hypocrites, both Republicans and Democrats. Bunch of hypocrites. Okay, They talk about racial equality from the roof of the town. They talk about racial equality. In 1990s, <clears throat> in Palm Beach County, a guy invested and bought a resort. The problem with the resort is the city council would not allow him to do what he wants to do. Okay? I think he bought it for $12 million or something. So what happened is that the city council is opposing him left, right and center. Because he wants to open this resort for everybody. But it's only white only. Exclusive club. He says, I want to open it for Jews, blacks, everybody. Their city council is opposing it left and right. So let me give you the details. You know what his lawyer did to all the members of the city council? He sent them two movies. Two CDs of two movies. The first one was A Gentleman's Agreement. It's a movie where a journalist pretends he's Jewish. To expose anti-Semitism. He pretends he's Jewish. He's not Jewish. So he goes around and the response of the people to show how, how anti-Semitic people are. So he sent them that. And the second movie he sent to them along with that is guess who is coming to dinner. Okay. It's a white couple <coughs> whose uh, daughter is bringing home her fiancé who is black. Who's black. So these two CDs were sent. The city council finally buckled under and gave permission for this resort to open for Jews and black in the 1990s. And who was the businessman? President Trump. And what was that resort? Marlago, where he goes all the time. 
and you call him a racist in 1990s, he had nothing like that. Now they're trying to say he did it for business. No, racism is so deep inside, you won't do it for business. The hypocrisy of the left, the absolute hypocrisy of the left. This guy opens up his, he says, this is the best piece of real estate in the whole world, he will say. Palm Beach County, it's Mar-a-Lago. Open for the blacks and the Jews. The two most hated communities in U.S., the blacks and the Jews. Open it for Okay. And they vote against him. They thought we are like, and they say he's racist, racist, racist. You look at the hypocrisy of it all. Look at his life, personal life, and you look at their own lives. To the last week, this guy says, some black woman stacked up my pantry, therefore we didn't go hungry in the basement. Look at this man. I'm telling you, you have to see how God exposes so that he says, do you have a slice of this in your own life? Do we have it? That's the question he's talking about. Because all these things are on the ticket. And who will you vote? Who will you vote? The one who flatters you. Like I said yesterday while I was praying. There are more Christians in California than in almost any state in the U.S. The Christians decide to vote according to substance and not style. California will turn red tomorrow. But they don't. They have been flattered and deceived. They have been fed. And who did this? The prosperity preachers. They have fed you, fed you, fed you. These are the ones, like Jude talks about, came in through the back door. And they turned the grace of God as license to live in the flesh, not to overcome the flesh. Now you cannot tell them anything. It's so difficult to preach the truth to the church because people get offended. You know why? They're all walking on their feelings. You've been told you're the cat's whiskers. You've been told this is who you are, this is who you are. Name it, claim it, have it. It's a feeding of the flesh. Now you're facing crunch time. If it flips over the other side, all blue, three houses gone, Armageddon is close. Your end is near. This is what the Bible says. Idols, hypocrisy, flattery, deception, destruction. It's simple. Open your eyes. Let's look at the final verse as we close. Psalm 94 and verse 20 to 23. Psalm 94, 20 to 23. Shall the throne of iniquity which devises evil by law have fellowship with you? The question you have to ask. The throne is a power, ruling party. Let's put it. Which devises evil by law. Did the Democrats do it or the Republicans do it? Did the leftist judges allow abortion? Or the conservatives? Was marriage redefined by the leftists or the conservatives? ALGBTQ, everything is by the Democrats? That's the whole Amy Barrett thing going on. No, Everything is going on. It's all about abortion. The whole thing is about, why are so people so excited to kill babies? Is what I don't understand. Why are they so excited about killing? When we have come to a point where 99.99% contraceptives help, still why do you want to kill a baby if by chance you become pregnant? Do you want to have fellowship with you? 
Think about it. If I'm a Christian, I look at two platforms. That's one of the reasons I don't vote in India. It's no point in voting in India. It doesn't matter which party you pick over here. There's no substance in anybody. Okay, why stand in the line for? And we are such a tiny minority. Our vote doesn't make. But in America, every Christian's vote makes a difference. You have to ask, will these people, their platform, fellowship with you? Think about what is there on one agenda. Pro-choice, pro-life. Religious freedom, no religious. You cannot even sing. Now, children in the primary school in Britain are not allowed to sing happy birthday because virus may spread. No free speech, cancel culture. Look at it, the platform you're looking at it. And uh, who are you going to vote for? This got nothing to do with Trump. This got to do with the platform. Substance. Have fellowship with you. When the rulers who devises evil by law, they change the laws. They change the laws. And they want to pack the court now. That's the final thing left. If the two houses, three houses go, the only safety is the Supreme Court. They will say, if Amy Barrett is confirmed, we'll pack the court. Meaning it will, court also will be, will may not nine, 150 years it was nine, will make it 15 or 16 or 17, fill them with leftists so that you cannot. That's what has happened to this nation. There's nothing left now. There's nothing left. Everything is gone. Everything is gone. There's nothing where you can go for justice. Expect. There's no opposition. It's only one down the line. We are safe because we are in states which is not ruled by them. When a day and hour come and they take over the whole nation, everything is gone. Everything is gone. There's nothing happening here. Okay. And what does the Bible say in verse 21? They gather together against the life of the righteous and condemn? Yes. The righteous are the ones who have been legislated against, who speak against these things. And the innocent babies are the ones who are being murdered. You'll vote for them. That's why you have to appreciate people like John MacArthur who stands up and says, you cannot vote Democrat this time. Simple. It's got nothing to do with Trump or Biden. You cannot vote for them because their platform is very, very clear. You're a Christian. You're denying your faith by fighting, voting for them. At any level, you cannot vote for them. Because their agenda is very, very clear. But the Lord has me in my defense. My God, the rock of my refuge. He has brought them on, on them, their own iniquity, and shall cut them off in their own wickedness. The Lord our God shall cut them off. So we have to look at this and say, where are we? <laughs> where are we? Why is there Christians around the world, even in, so I see on YouTube this thing, even people from Nepal and all praying for President Trump. They understand there's something that is happening over. This man needs prayer. He's standing up for which are the values of the kingdom of God. He's standing up for that. And you know what? Christians have become hypocrites. The absolute total hypocrites. It's when you are a hypocrite, you go over style, more than substance. Always I will tell people, if you are a true student of the word of God, you will be able to listen to Derek Prince. Because he has no, he is very boring. If you are not looking for substance, very monotonous tone. But if you are looking for substance, he will fill the well. Is good. Is fill the well. Okay. The problem is, when a generation who's been built and fed in the flesh, all emotions alone, they can't be corrected. They cannot be taught. And God hands them over. Says, go this way. 
If this is the only thing that will do it, it will do it. I still do not know who will win. But what I see is the duplicity of like today. Facebook and Twitter banned that video and all that news. Well, for four years, they were allowing every junk about President Trump to come out on the social media. Any book that is published, all full of lies. Salacious matter, the steel dossier, entire thing was hoax. Everything is out there, published, full, 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 full published. And something about Hunter Biden's actual 12-minute video. is. I'm not saying anybody should put up the video, but he's on crack with prostitutes. And this is what they said he did with, and it has been debunked that he was never... In that hotel, he was never with prostitutes, but this is the story they tried to break him with saying that in Moscow about President Trump. Now, let's see, what they said about him is all happening about them. About them. Everything is coming out about them. Okay? But the problem is the masters of the universe, these guys, everybody is fighting him. You should ask. That's why it gives me a little hope. Maybe God will allow him to win. And tell him it's not the people. I put you there. Not uh, Nothing to do with the people. I put you there. Because they know if he wins next time and it's a big win, all their goose is cooked. I really believe he will He will break Microsoft, he will break Google, he will break Facebook, he will break every one of these things and break them. No monopoly anymore. That way you control the minds and the hearts of the people. Everything has to be broken down. Like what they want to break down the entire structure and rebuild socialism, he will break down this system of hypocrisy and make it genuine and open. And the church will flourish for a season before the end comes. Ultimately, it will go over because we won't deal with the idols in our heart. We only want to know how good we are. We want to be told that. You know, like Pastor Vijay said, some of our songs are also like that. It's not about so much about God, it's about our feelings. <laughs> so much about our feelings and this is where we have to be very very clear very very clear because these are not these are not the random events in Israel's history this is repetition history keeps on repeating they limited their God you know why because of idolatry flattery and there were no intercessors no true intercessors at all no intercessors at all nobody who's actually standing and praying trying to bring God and man together no? And a true intercessor can arise only when your flesh dies. Otherwise, you cannot. You cannot. If your flesh is alive and you're looking for flattery from people, opinion from people, you cannot be an intercessor. You cannot be a preacher of truth. You will power truth. And your prayer will change. You will tell them what they want to hear. And God will allow you. And you will think a miracle happens in my service. You don't realize your judgment upon them and judgment upon you. Both. He says, I will judge both the prophet and the people. I will judge. That's why we pray, Lord, let every pastor who is a master be exposed. It has to begin in the church first before it happens. Expose these masters who are deceiving the people with their false signs and wonders when their substance is false, their doctrine is false. It's feeding the flesh and not the spirit. That's what we need to pray. Shall we pray? Father, we just come to you, Lord, this morning. Yes, Lord, what we looked at, it is disturbing, it's heavy. Because it hits all of us right in the core, Father. Because there is in us that idol, that hypocrisy, that love for flattery. And when we pray, we struggle. Because we are not able to be a true intercessor. Who grabs hold of man for the purpose of God. 
not somebody who grabs hold of God for the purpose of man. Help us, Lord, help us. Help us to change. Help us to change and not to end up like Saul. Angry, bitter. Help end up like Solomon. I hate my life. They both were kings of Israel. Both were anointed. Both were given much. But they fed the flesh and ended up empty and miserable. We don't want to end up like that, Lord. We want to be like Philadelphia. Hang on to your word with all our strength. Glorify your name. We are not worried about our name, our reputation or anything. Your name, your word. To bring your people back to you. Have mercy, mercy on us, Lord. Have mercy on the church, Lord. Have the mercy on the church in the U.S., O oh Lord. I pray you open the eyes of the Christians there, Lord. That's all it needs. Hundred million Christians arise and go vote right. The country will be changed. It will be changed in a minute. But I pray the Christians will arise and see the truth. I pray you will open their eyes that they will see the writing on the wall. If they vote wrong, the judgment is here. You will take that kingdom from them and give it to somebody who is base and unworthy. Help them to see, Lord. Help them to see. Because this referendum is not about Trump. It's about the church. The so-called church. So-called Christians. This is about us. It's not about him. And we are all included in it. And because our destinies in so many ways, at least temporarily, are, are hooked to his, we stand in the gap and pray for him and pray for that nation. Extend your hand of mercy. Mercy over that nation for four more years. Mercy, Lord. That's why we are fasting for that nation. Four more years. Because when we were in darkness and blinded, they fasted, they prayed, and they sent their servants to us. We believe it's the time has come for the rest of the world to fast and to pray for that nation. That they may have not four more years of prosperity, but four more years of mercy and grace. Help us to be intercessors during this time and to be found faithful in that prayer closet. Everywhere, Lord, all around the world, your children will arise. Let your spirit move them and move them into their prayer closets to stand in the gap at this hour. Because America needs the world at this hour. All these 200 centuries, the world needed America. But today, America needs the church dispersed around the world. To stand, to pray, to intercede. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Hearken unto our cry, O Lord, and raise up intercessors around the world who will stand. Thank you. Thank you, Father. You're always faithful. You're always good. 
whatever happens on a November 3rd, our hope is not in the election. Our hope is in you. You never change. You are always the same. Always the same. So we just thank you. We thank you that we have only one king. There may be many presidents and prime ministers, but only one king. It's you, Lord. We have only one king. It's you. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.